does the church exist when we have only different answers? Because there are those who believe that the church should be about a political agenda. There are others who believe that the church should be a social service um, organization, somewhat like the Salvation Army or the Goodwill. And then others would give their opinion and we would get a whole lot of different answers because people have their own opinion and idea of what the church is and what the church ought to be about. But when you look throughout the word of God, the local church exists for God and for his glory. The local church, it exists to glorify God through worshiping him, exalting Christ, edifying believers, and evangelizing the lost. For the local church was founded by God for the purposes of God and for the glory of God. It's not to show off our gifts. It's not to show off our talent. It's not to come and assemble and show off our new attire. It is not for us to come and build a name for ourselves. Matter of fact, it's not even to come and hopefully to get a hookup to find you a man or a woman. But the purpose of us coming together, assembling together, serving together, worshiping together, fellowshipping together is to glorify God. And a church is only strong when it's doing those things that bring glory to God. It's when we're obedient to the word of God. It's when we are worshiping him, when we are exalting the Christ, when we are promoting Christ, when we are pushing his agenda, when we are sharing the love of Christ, when we are about sharing the ministry and the message of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is when we are trying to edify believers that is build one another up through the word of God, through encouragement, when we are edifying one another. But then it is when we are evangelizing the lost, when we realize our ministry is not just within these walls, but our ministry and what God has called us to do, it extends beyond the walls of this church. Because the work he has for us to do, it is out in, in the world. I wish I had somebody here. And if the church is to be a strong church, Paul said there are some things that must be happening within the church. The first thing Paul would suggest is there has to be proclamation. There has to be proclamation. If you back up to around verse 1 and look at verse 7, Paul wants them to know how he came to be in the office he occupied. Paul didn't just wake up one day and decide he was going to be a preacher. He did not look at other preachers and decide he wanted to be a preacher. No, Paul wants his readers to know that the life he is living is not one he chose for himself, but it is a life that was chosen for him.
Matter of fact, his own testimony in 1 Timothy chapter 1, around verse 15, Paul calls himself the worst of sinners. He says he was the chief sinner. That's his own testimony. But instead of allowing his past to overcome him, he overflowed with gratefulness that God had considered him trustworthy and appointed him to serve in spreading the good news of salvation. And that's still the way our Lord works today. He, even though we might have a past, he has a way of taking us from that past and giving us a brand new start. And so Paul was thankful at the time that he used to mock the name of Christ, but now he's being used to promote the name of Christ. Paul's past, he was a vicious, he was a violent, he was a villain. Paul was a hateful person. He hunted down God's people, harming them, Didi, in every way he could. Yet God came to Paul, offering him grace, mercy, and a new start. Paul helps them to understand that he was exhibit A, and that is to prove that the gospel of grace, this thing that he is preaching about, it really works. And my brothers and sisters, God saves us to also put us on display or exhibit, especially people who used to know you, people you used to run with, and now they see the change in your life. Yes, you may know my history. You may know my past. You knew me before I met him, but you've got to admit since I met him, I'm not the same person I used to be. And so God takes us up out of the muck and the mire, cleans us off, and then puts us on display so the world can see that this gospel that we preach is real. This Jesus Jesus that we preach about is real. This change that takes place in the life of a person who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, tell your neighbor, it's real. It's real, it's real, it's real. How could the Lord take a person like Paul, a person like Paul, and now use him for his glory? Well, it's because of these words, mercy and, and grace. The grace of God turned this persecutor of the church into a preacher for the church, this murderer into a minister and a missionary, and he does the same today. He takes, he takes that of a of, of, of those who used to be pole dancers and makes them praise dancers. He takes those who are used to be cutthroats and make them choir members. He takes those who used to be uh, uh, devilish people and he turns them into deacons. I wish I had somebody here. He takes those, all of us, he can take us and change us and use us for his glory. Paul understood it was not his education, it was not not his esteem, it was not his own power that made him a preacher, but it was by the will, by the will of God. And we should never be jealous of any other person's ministry because the Lord does in our lives what pleases him. He puts us in the body where he wants us to be. And so we should praise 
God for what he is doing in the lives of others, but we should be busy about fulfilling the ministry he's called us to do. And since Paul knew that it was the Lord that placed him in the ministry, he did not allow people talking about him to stop him. He did not allow people who turned their backs on him to stop him. He did not allow his circumstances to stop him. And when you know God has called you to a particular ministry, don't allow anybody or anything to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. I know you're just saying, Pete Pastor, you don't understand. There are hypocrites in that ministry. You don't understand. There are people who've been talking about me. You don't understand. There are some decisions that were made I don't like about. Well, here's the thing about it. You keep going to work, and there are people on your job who are hypocrites, but you go faithfully every week. There are people on your job who have talked about you, but you keep on going every week. There are people who make decisions on your job. Matter of fact, they may even put you in a different position, but you don't get mad and stop going. You keep on going to work. If I keep on getting up and going to work because I'm looking forward to my paycheck and hopefully my 401k, my pension, whatever, listen, I'm going to keep on serving him because I know in the end, I wish I had somebody, only what I do for him will count in the end. And I didn't come for you. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing this for him. So if he called you to sing, keep on singing. If he called you to dance, keep on dancing. If he called you to preach, keep on preaching. Whatever the Lord has called you to do, you got to keep on serving. Listen, you're not the only preacher, so never think that it's all about you. You're not the only singer. Don't think it's all about you. You're not the only dancer. You're not the only musician. Don't think it's ever about you. Paul understood that it was the Lord that put him in this ministry and the purpose he's in this ministry is that he might exalt the Savior and bring people to the place where they will worship God. Preaching has to be more than hollering and hooping. Paul was sharing the mystery of the gospel. It has to be sound doctrine. It has to be healthy teaching. I need celebration, but I also need conviction. I need correcting. I need cutting sometimes. I need constructing. I need to be built up. And then I need some comforting. There's something for us to learn and something to unlearn. There are some days you need to leave here praising God, but there's some days you need to leave here pondering. You need to leave here thinking about some things because what we need is not just to feel good, but I need something that's going to help me to live right. I need the gospel. I don't just need to shout, but I need to know how to walk right when I leave the sanctuary. I need to know how to behave in the sanctuary and in the streets. I wish I had somebody here. I'm Listen, I want to be faithful to what the Lord has called me to do. Not faithful, not faithful to buildings and budgets, but faithful to building people. I want to be faithful because one day I want to hear the Lord say, well done. Paul says there has to be some proclamation. 
But he says, secondly, there has to be invocation. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees. He said there has to be some invocation. That word invocation means uh, to invoke for the help or support of someone. You are petitioning for the help and support, the aid and the assistance. Paul knew for his ministry to be effective, for him to have any success in ministry, he was going to need the aid and the assistance of God as well as for these believers that he's writing to for them to be able to behave like Christians and battle like Christians, they needed the help of God. And Jesus, during his earthly ministry, he lived in total dependence upon the Father. He reminds us, he reminds us, he says, the Lord Jesus Christ. He reminds us of his deity and his humanity. Jesus lived, even though he was fully God and fully man, he lived as a man and he depended on the Father's help and support. He needed the Father's aid and assistance. In everything we do, if we're doing it for him, we need his aid and his assistance. We need his support. We need the Lord to help us. We need him to hold us because we can't do it in our own strength. We can't cannot stand against the evil forces of this world. We cannot stand against those principalities and those wicked forces in high places. We need the aid and the assistance of the Lord. The church in Laodicea in Revelations chapter 3, they thought they had it going on. They had a lot of money. They thought they had it going on. They had a nice building. Thought they had it going on. Had a lot of programs. Thought they had it going on, but in Revelation 3 and 20, we use it for the invitation, but really it's not for sinners, it was for the church. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. This was not a letter to the world, this was a letter to the church. He says, I'm on the outside knocking, trying to get in. Y'all trying to have church, but you're having it without me. You're trying to do the work of the ministry, but you're doing it without me. He says, if you will let me in, I will come in and sup with you and you with me. He says, listen, why y'all keep trying to do this thing without me? We can't sing without him. We can't preach without him. We can't teach without him. We can't do anything. We can't witness without him. We need the Lord. We've got to invoke his, his help and his strength. Matter of fact, trying to do what he called you to do without him, it's, it's like trying to bake a cake without flour, eggs, butter, and sugar. And I tell you what, that's going to be a horrible cake. You've got to have the right stuff if you're going to make your cake turn out right. And so it is with the church. You've got to have the right thing. And we need the Lord Jesus Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. Spirit to empower us and to strengthen.
within us. And that's what Paul, he goes on to pray. He talks about two things. He says he's praying for strength and for depth. He's praying that they would have the strength, the power that can only come, that can blend from the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, Jesus performed his ministry, not apart from the Father or the Spirit. Matter of fact, Luke chapter 4 verse 1 says, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Then in verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee and there went out a fame of him through all the region. Then in verses 18 and 19, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then in Acts chapter 10, Luke says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. If we're going to have strength in the, in the church, we've got to have the Holy Spirit working within us. The Holy Spirit has to fill us so we can do what he has called us to do. But then he says in verse 17, I don't just want you to have strength, but you need depth. And so Paul uses two words. Really, he uses an agricultural term and an architectural term. He talks about deep roots and foundations on which we are to build. He says, he says, listen, your roots need to go deep. And your foundation needs to be the right foundation if you're going to make it in this thing. I was reading an article about tall buildings, these mega structures, and in order for them, uh, for natural forces won't uh, cause them to topple over, these mega tall structures need a low center of gravity. And that's only achieved, Deacon Davis, by digging deep into the ground until you find soil that's sturdy enough to hold the weight of the building. And for some of the world's tallest buildings, they have to dig some 92 yards deep in order for that structure to be able to go up real high. They have to go deep in order to go high. They have to go low in order to go up. You'll catch it in a minute. They have to go low in order to go up. They have to go deep in order to go High. Listen, the trials of life will test the depth of our faith. The storm that blows reveals the strength of our roots. Jesus told the story about two builders, one who built on sand. He didn't have the right foundation. The other who built on a solid rock foundation. And when the storm came, the fellow who built on sand, his house was washed away. But the one who had the right foundation, when the storms came, he was able to stand and he puts everything on the weight of the foundation. I don't know about you, but on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. If you're going to be strong in the church, we've got to make sure we're on the right foundation and our roots go deep. What does it mean for our roots to go deep? They already knew Jesus before Paul says, I want you to have more than a surface relationship. I want you to have a deeper experience.
experience with the Lord Jesus. I want you to get to know him more. I love Lakitra Lynette. I met her. We got married. We got married. And I know a lot about her. But what I've discovered, there's a whole lot more to know about her. And I'm finding out some things day by day that I didn't know. I wish I had somebody here year by year. You're going to find out something different or something you didn't know about your spouse because the more you spend time with them, the more you get to know them. And he's saying to us, if we're going to be a strong church, we've got to get to a place where we thirst to know more and more about him. I want a deeper relationship with him because whatever comes up in your life and mine, if we don't have a deep relationship with him, anything can cause us to wave. Anything can cause us to topple over. But if we got a strong foundation, I don't care what happens in your life, you'll be able to stand. Paul says there's got to be some proclamation. We've got to have uh, the word going forth if it's going to be a strong church. Uh, and we got to remember we didn't put ourselves uh, in the positions that we're in. Uh, so we've got to exercise some humility and realize hey, we ain't nothing without God. Uh, and we sure can't do nothing without him. Uh, but then we've got to remember we need some invocation. Uh, we've got to invoke his presence. Uh, we've got to invoke his power, his aid, and his assistance because God if you don't help me I won't be able to do it if you don't hold me I'm not going to make it if you don't handle me I might mess this thing up so I've got to invoke his presence but lastly Paul as he's writing Dr. Allen it seems as though he breaks out in a praise because he hears it here is a doxology and Paul begins to praise God in the middle of his writing he starts thinking about what he's been writing about from chapter 1 to now. And Paul says now unto him. Paul says you know what? When I think about how dirty I used to be and now where I am now. Now unto him. How I used to be a child of disobedience but now I'm a child of God. Now unto him. How I used to be lost but now I'm saved. Now unto him. How I used to be be a wretch undone, but now I'm complete in Jesus Christ. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all, I can think, ask, or imagine by the power that worketh in me. If it's not by his power, I would be lost today. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be serving today. If it was not for him, I would be who I am today. I am what I am by the grace of God. I am where I am by the grace of God. Is there anybody here that's thankful that you got God in your life? Is there anybody here that's thankful that Jesus died on Friday? Got up early one Sunday with all power and he saved. He saved us. He saved us. 